0: welcome to episode number one of real talk with kenny every time you buy or sell a house you need a lawyer to help you close the transaction today i have an honor to have demar hewitt with me in the show demar is the founder of hewitt law firm welcome to the show demar thanks for having me kenny how are you feeling today's a good day today's a good today's every a good day is a good day
1: today's a good day
0: okay fantastic so demar first of all tell us about your journey how did you become a lawyer what what made you get into the law well me becoming a lawyer is a very funny story. Okay.
1: So I became a lawyer by accident and okay. I always say by accident because okay. I ended up in law school simply following one of my friends to law okay. school. Okay. Uh, they were enrolling in law school and I've decided after following them there to say, I want to enroll. Just ne- like that. And uh, next thing you know, I'm enrolled in law school with no idea of how I'm going to pay for it. But, you know, I was now quote unquote trapped and I had to follow through. and so i'm jamaican i'm a lawyer from jamaica is that
0: where you did your law school yes how long did you practice in jamaica
1: i practiced in jamaica for about Three years. Okay. Four years. Four years. Four and years. how long have
0: you been practicing here? I've been practicing here five years. Five now. years. Okay. So how do must have been a very different from, you know, Jamaica and here. How, which one is better? Uh, lucky for us, we're both Commonwealth
1: countries. Okay. okay. So there are slight very vari- Obviously, there are variations in our laws because um, this is Canada. Canada has its own laws. Okay. Jamaica has its own laws, but we're all governed by the Queen. So okay. there's some similarity in our legal system outside of Quebec, okay, but there's similarity in our legal system. So how was the transition for you when you came here? Like, was it an easy transition for you or? Relatively easy. I've heard of persons having it much difficult, much more difficult than I had it. Okay. Um, Maybe because I'm a lawyer and also because we're uh, part of the commonwealth. I have been coming and going in Canada for a while. So
0: before you moved here, you have been like... Yes, I had
1: been in Canada a few times and fell in love with the place. Wow. And then next thing you know, found out that this is where I wanted to be. Okay, here we, are. here we are. Here we
0: are.
1: Several years later, I've stopped counting, but you
0: know, here okay. we are. Now. No, this is good. You know what? It's amazing because at the end of the day, you said it was an accident, but it turned out pretty good. I think lawyer law is a great uh, career, and I've been working with you for some time, and you know, I can see you're very professional. You're good at what you do. So that's amazing. Now Demar tell me what is closing cost. Like we always hear, you know, when we talk to clients we tell them listen for as a buyer you need your down payment and closing cost. So tell us what exactly is closing cost? What's included in the closing cost? Right. So
1: closing costs are the expenses that you incur or that a client incurs to bring a transaction to the end. Um, I generally relate the story this way. There are three persons that are very important to a real estate transaction. You do have the realtor, which is yourself and you help the person determine whether or not a home is right for them or selling their home for the, for the best price available on the market. You would have a mortgage broker. I also believe is important. And the mortgage broker is the one helping you to get a financing if you're purchasing a property. And then you have the lawyer that brings this all together. The lawyer is the one that you cannot do without in the process. Yes. The lawyer brings it all together. And so the closing costs are those expenses now that brings the transaction to an end. Uh, for example, your closing costs includes the costs to register title in your name. Okay. Um, if you're paying land transfer taxes, you know, the government always collects something.
0: And that's a big chunk, I believe, land
1: transfer tax and it, closing costs. It, it is. It can be significant. Okay. Because it's tied to the price of the property that you're purchasing. Yes. yes. So land transfer tax is one of those that can be. But there are benefits, of course, you do get. For example, if you're buying a home for the first time, if you're married and both you and your spouse never owned a home before anywhere in the world, this is your very first property. You know, there are rebates that you do get from the government. Um, there are also rebates that you do get if you're buying a home, a brand new home. Okay. You know, you do get HSD rebates. So there's there are some things that the government gives you that okay. sort of helps you, ease you into the purchasing of a home, which is really never easy. It's a significant decision. And um, one that I'm absolutely sure you bear the brunt of, you know, helping person determine whether or not this is the right decision. And which probably leads to my question okay. uh, for you. Um, how do I know when is the right
0: time to buy a home? So see, this is a very good question, by the way. So I always say that it depends on your financial situation, right? Because right now, uh, for example, we know interest rates are really, really high. A lot of people are holding off because it's very difficult to afford. However, one thing we know, prices are low. So if your numbers are working in the favor, because look, there's always a risk involved when you're buying. You know, when you're even driving, when you're leaving home, when you're driving, there's always a risk involved. Your job is to make sure, you know, you are doing your numbers, you're doing your homework, you're on the right track. So I always say that if your numbers are fine, you have to look at the bigger picture you know if you're buying today how long are you looking to buy um, I always say, look, when you're buying, you're buying to make your life better. Whether you're buying for yourself to move in or whether you're buying investment property, the key is to help you grow. So you don't wanna you know, come out of your comfort zone you, you know, financially because especially in times like today. So as long as your numbers are fine, you, you, you feel like you know, after buying, it won't have a, any negative impact on your finances. I feel like it's always a good time. And especially like right now where prices are low, because look, whether prices are high or low, right? Right now prices are low. And if you are buying as an investor, your goal is to make money. So right now, you know, we know for, for a little while, the rates are going to stay like this. It'll be higher um, uh, carrying costs. But once the market gets better, that is when you can potentially to see some, some money. So to answer your question, it depends on your finances and your mindset. What's your objective? How long, you, what, what are you trying to accomplish? So it all depends on the individual's uh, financial situation and the mindset. And as an investor myself, um, so
1: I do have investment properties. Yes. And you think whether or not you should sell and selling and buying. And I'm, I'm supposing that the considerations are slightly different. Me deciding to sell one property and buy another. The markets are
0: low to buy, which might be a good thing. But is it a good time to sell? You know what? I'll be honest with you, DeMar. I don't like selling a lot. I feel like if you have bought a property, you know, don't sell unless you have to sell. Like we, we are lucky here that we have uh, refinancing options available where if you have built some equity in your house you can all, or, or a condo, you can always try to refinance if you need some funds because holding the property for long term, you're definitely going to make money. So here you have a property which has done well for you unless you need the money to buy something else or you need money for some, like let's just say you have something else coming up. I always say, you know, look for reasons where you can keep it and let the property grow. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. And that's where,
1: of course, you know, as a lawyer, we come in at the end yes. to make sure that that happens.
0: But, but you as an investor, though, how are you
1: feeling about the market right now? How, how do you feel? Well, you are giving me some reassurance right here. Um, certainly, I'm anxious. Yeah. The market is not where it is. As someone who currently owns investment properties, we want to see the market at a higher place. But for those persons looking to come in, I totally understand they want to see it lower. Um, so I'm anxious, like all investors out there, yes. um, as to where the market will be next year. Yes. I'm not an econo- economist.
0: Like, economist. So. You know, the, the good thing is here we have, we have a very good market. We have a lot of new immigrants coming in here as well. Um, and there are a lot of people, uh, those have made good money in real estate in the last 5-10 like, years. So right now, as you said earlier, people are holding off. It's not like they're not, they don't have money or you know, they can't afford it, just that there's a fear in people's mind, which is understandable. Com- you, know, you have to be comfortable when you're investing your money. But the good thing is that we know that as soon as this interest rate hike stops, I'm not, I, I don't believe, or I don't think the rates are going to go back to where they were anytime soon. But at least once people have that comfort level that, look, you know, the rates have kind of stopped increasing and they're starting to come down. Then we're going to see a big jump of buyers coming into the market. And that's when you can expect, you know, when, of course, how, how does prices go up, right? When there's a more demand and less when supply. There's so there, you know, that's what happened in the last two, three years. So when a lot more buyers enter in the market, that's when you'll start to see multiple offers you know, that's when you'll see prices jumping up. And like the good thing is if a house has already sold, you know, if let's just say a, a one house has sold for 1.5 like a year ago, two years ago, now it's going for a million dollar. There's a very good probability that it's gonna go back up to that range very soon, once things get back up. So it all depends, you know, depends on, on the situation. But right now, again, if someone has the money, if they can, you know, sit on like, you know, if they can afford the monthly of like, you know, mortgage and carrying costs, I think this is a very good opportunity for a lot of people to get in the market and eventually make some money going yes. forward. And, and and I think that when you determine if you have the money, following on what you
1: just said, um, in addition to the closing costs, the ability to carry the mortgage, and we spoke about closing costs earlier. And one of the I don't want to say a trap, but one of the errors I think that I usually see in persons determining whether or not they have the financing to close the transaction is, for example, making sure that they account for everything that will be a part of the process of them acquiring this property. For example, if you've decided to get a mortgage, when I receive mortgage instructions acting for you, there are certain things that I look out for in alerting you that hey, this is the amount of money you're going to need. Okay, so question for you, which I'm sure viewers are probably wondering, what is uh, what is instructions when you say instructions? What is that? So instructions is the direction we receive from the bank okay. or from your lender. Okay. If you're buying a property, if it is that you're getting a mortgage or some sort of loan to get the funds to acquire that property, we receive instructions. So this is the lender telling us. As a lawyer, action for the purchasers, these are the things I need the purchaser to take care of before I give them the money to buy this property. So instructions are those directions. It's that letter that lists all the things that we need to get done on our side. Or like that the to.
0: conditions of the
1: bank that they have on the mortgage. That's they something will, that They you will, also, of course, certainly. Okay. The conditions will come out in the instructions. Without
0: conditions, well. no money. Certainly. So, you They're know, always, we always, <laughs> like you always have instructions arrive, have them. You know, I always bug you before the closing. So, yeah, um, conditions are usually a part of that. So, when we
1: receive those instructions or the things that are listed in your mortgage com- commitment, um, it gives me an idea of where you need to be. And I, I say that it's uh, a difficulty that I come across quite a few times where several of those fees uh, they purchase probably would not have kept in mind. And so it's important for us to have an actual idea. And I I always say budget an extra 1% Mm -hmm.
0: uh,
1: above. You know, you think you have the numbers down pat, an extra 1%. There's always unexpected things coming. You
0: don't want to be stuck at the time of closing short funds, right? I mean, that's the worst thing. Certainly. Because things
1: that we... So we know, ordinarily speaking, the bank covers 80% of the value of the property. It's not a set rule, or the lender covers 80% of the property. Not a set rule. Sometimes it can go as high as 95%. But if we work with 80% as the average, right? But then, depending on who the lender is, things that may form part of your closing costs if you're using a Schedule A bank, for example, the big box banks that we know, the CIBC, RBC, TD, Scotiabank, you know. TDL. TD, um, things that will form part of your closing costs. You may have lower closing costs if you use one lender as against another oh, really? lender. Yes. Okay. So it, that's one thing. But your ability to qualify for the mortgage is something that the your Which mortgage is similar, agent, I feel, yeah your mortgage agent, but I was just about to make the point that, um, for example, your closing costs working through a mortgage broker, um, would include things like, uh, your mortgage broker fee. So it's certainly when you're calculating your 80%, you need to think about your mortgage broker fee, for example, as a part of your closing costs. And if you're working with probably a Schedule B bank or a private lender or a mortgage investment company, you need to think of things like a lender fee.
0: Higher fees. Exactly. Higher fees Those
1: do form part of your yes. closing costs. And you do find when you're having transactions, if you don't, because in a lot of the circumstances, when you go out shopping, you may not have a pre-approval, so you don't really know where you're getting the mortgage yes. from. Yes, But when you do your calculation, know that you have a lender, you now need to factor in those things, that your closing
0: costs will increase based on who you decide yes. to and, move And I like to. what you say, you know, always count a bit higher than what actually you think it's going to be, because look, it's better to have more than less. So it's important. But question for you, Where, when does a lawyer come into play in a transaction? When does your work start? So the lawyer works start once you do have a firm agreement. Okay. So you
1: have, generally speaking, the process of buying a, property for example you do have you Kenny that will help the person to uh, find that home if they're purchasing um, or help the person to find the right purchaser for the home if they're selling Um, if you're buying you do have the mortgage broker that will come in not mandatory but generally speaking you have a mortgage broker that shops around for you help you to find financing to complete your purchase the lawyer is the one that brings it all together okay the lawyer is the one who makes sure that the mortgage is properly documented and registered on your title and the making sure that title gets into your name based on what was agreed between you and the purchasers through your realtor okay so the lawyer comes in at the end to make sure the transaction so
0: comes at the so so what like what i like to do usually which i sh- you know so the key is once let's say the transaction is like firmed up you know the agreement has been established you know and then right away the, the key is to send in the agreement and mls to the lawyer so that way like someone like yourself can start the work you know whatever homework you need, whatever you like, get you in touch with the client. So whatever you need from the client, you can get. So lead that way, we're not leaving anything to the last minute.
1: Certainly, and if you can even get it to the lawyer before you actually do have a firm agreement, sometimes can be advantageous, right? Like
0: I know, for example, when you buy a condo, there's always a status certificate clause, right? So that needs to be reviewed by a lawyer before the deal is firmed up. So i feel like in condos it's, it becomes a little bit easier because that way lawyer is already involved way before the deal is firm so that way you are, you can just keep, move forward based on where you are now w- one question for you Damar. so what happened like these days a lot of lot of sellers are concerned or worried that when the house is sold uh for some reasons buyer is not able to close what are the consequences or what are the options at that time so if a buyer is unable to close a transaction as a seller
1: uh, the options you have, generally speaking, you can forfeit the deposit. Okay. So having a nice deposit as a part of the agreement is a good thing for the seller. And,
0: and sorry, I just want to add one thing. So that's why when we, let's just say, if I'm uh, I'm the listing agent, we always try to get a higher deposit that way in case if anything goes wrong, we are in the possession of a higher deposit. Yes.
1: So a deposit is, is very, very important and very useful too, right? Because okay. that's money that you have sitting in trust either with your, generally with your brokerage. Or with your lawyer, depending on where the agreement is that the money sits. So it's sitting down in trust. Um, If the transaction does not close, you do have access to that. Uh, But then, of course, if it is that you have to resell the property, then you are able, and you sell the property for less, then you're able to sue the buyer or the would be buyer that failed to close the transaction. You can, in fact, sue them to recover the shortfalls. For example, if they had agreed to purchase your property at $800,000 and they are unable to close, you're now in a down market and you now have to sell it for $700,000, you do get to sue them for that extra $100,000, plus some of the carrying costs
0: that you incurred Incurred. because of the delay in closing the transaction. And roughly how, how long, what's the duration for this to be uh, like processed? Like let's say if somebody sues somebody for this, how long do you think it may take? Uh, it depends on where you are. Okay. Uh, generally,
1: uh, we have different regions of court. Okay. Some of them are really backlogged. Some okay. of them are just um, way, you know, up to current okay. in what's happening. It also depends on if the party is involved and if they're very litigious and they're resisting it, you can easily be done with the court process six months in some cases. Other times it may take you a
0: year, Mm -hmm. uh, even more than a year. But honestly, like I've been in the business for almost nine years and uh, we haven't seen this much happening. I feel like there are always ways to sort things out. That's the last resort, right? Going, you know, going into sewing and all. There are always options available, like, you know, try to work with the seller. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does, it can get complicated, let's say, if if the buyer is not able to close. Now, one more question for you. Uh, When somebody is choosing a lawyer, what are the three things they should look for? Well, certainly a lawyer, well, I think service
1: is always most important. Okay. Um, a lawyer certainly has to be a lawyer that practices real estate in Ontario. You have to be licensed to practice real estate. So not all lawyers can do real estate. Okay, okay. It does require additional insurance to get that authorization to do real estate. Um, experience is also something that I think is significant. And generally accessibility. I always find, and I'm a buyer, yes. and I have lawyers yes. too, right? <laughs> so you me. use other lawyers. Were you happy other, with them? Yeah, certainly. <laughs> I, I will say this, you know, I, I I'm one of those persons. Even though I'm a lawyer, I don't represent myself. Okay. I always believe when you're involved in the transaction directly, you know, you your mind can be clouded, right? I I don't I don't. um Represent myself, but can always, you, can you, do you have that option
0: available? Can you represent
1: yourself uh, in a real estate transaction? No. Oh, no. Okay. Certainly. Um, would not, would not, because it does, uh, it, obviously it's a conflict. Okay. Yes. It is. Yes. It is a conflict. Um, and even you know, while strictly speaking, there are circumstances where I could represent somebody I'm connected to, or even a company I'm connected to, I might look on it and say it's best that I not because you want outside eyes to look because, put it this way, if anything should go wrong mm-hmm. or should not have gone the way it was it was supposed to go, then you know, you wanna have somebody else to reach out to to say, Hey, you did not do this uh, yes. what happened here. But you can't blame yourself. Come on. Yeah, you, can, you, can. <laughs> you can't And a lot me.
0: of emotions involved too. Yes, like, yes, you know, yes. even for us too, like when let's just say many realtors when they're selling their own home, sometimes they choose other realtors to list their home because just you know, like just to kind of keep it easier as I said a lot of emotions are involved yes. you want to be logical when you know when you're going through the transaction so it's really really important i guess in that case and honestly like I have been working with you like one thing about you is that most all of my clients really love the service that you you have offered you're always available I feel like it's really important to be available you know for, for the clients because look they're going through it's a big deal for them you know for us like' say realtors or lawyers it could be just another transaction right it's everyday thing for us but but for, for, for the buyer or seller, this could, this is a very, very uh, important deal, right? So, so it's really important to be there for them when they have any questions, when they're concerned, just to kind of make the process easier for them. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's really, really important uh, part, as you said. You know, Somebody with the experience, as you said, uh, of course, licensed and qualified and being, being there for the people. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Uh, thank you for that. And
1: if I should flip that question back at but, you know? Uh, i would ask Uh. um so in me deciding to dispose of one of my properties and i know you say you Uh. don't do it in this market and you don't like it but what are the things i'm looking for certainly in my mind i'm an investor dollars and cents make you know a big difference right especially in a down market so cost in my head is a big factor but i in addition to that what are the things that i'm looking for in determining you know for example do i use kenny to sell this kind of property. It's a commercial property. Yeah, use Kenny, a you property. Use
0: Kenny.
1: <laughs> but, you know, what are the considerations, I suppose, in determining what Kenny will give me
0: Yes. if I decide to use Kenny to sell a commercial property yeah. or a regular residential yes. property? No, good question is, I think it's a really important question. So I feel like it's a, it's a sales, right? It's basically a relationship business. So, you know, I always uh, tell people before you choose a realtor, you know, interview two to three people, see how you feel, because like, look, it's product or service is not the most important part here it's how the whole process the communication you have the experience you have you know as a realtor so for me the important thing is knowing knowing the market it's really important thing an experience you can't buy experience right the more transactions you have done the better you know idea you have mm-hmm and for me like my i have a background in banking so i used to do you know, personal banking mortgages before where i have done a lot of you know detail like i've have looked at the things differently right so for me it's important to look at the bigger picture for the client it's just not buying or selling is you have to ask for their goals What are their long-term plans? So understanding the client's needs, objectives, and goals. So I feel like it's important to work with somebody who has this kind of mindset, instead of just, you know, hey, let's let's right away or sell right away, right? Of course, uh, negotiation skills is very important as well, because in a transaction, you are presenting the seller. Like, let's just say if you're selling or buying, uh, you want someone to, you know, present you who knows what they're doing, who has your best interest Uh, above everything right so at many times we have seen cases where somebody comes to me and they wanted to sell but after we had gone through the whole conversation we decided that selling might not be the best thing to do at this time or overall you know maybe refinance if you so it all depends so I I feel like important to have somebody with good uh, customer service skills somebody with the you know looking at the bigger picture mindset and somebody who is very creative it's, it's a very it's a very uh, again it's not just said you know you list the house and it's gonna sell you want to maximize for, for the sellers you want to be able to maximize because look man they worked hard for the money right so you want they're trusting you with this so you want to be able to maximize you know their profits same thing for buyer uh, it's a little bit different concept but for buyer of course you know guiding them through the process like I have helped people like um again in nine years I have had people starting with even twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars as a down payment on the first home. But with the right strategy, with the right approach, those people are sitting over, you know, $1.5, $2 million net worth today because this is where the, the experience comes into play, where you guide people how to maximize on the equity part. And 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 would you agree with the
1: thinking then that I would get more from using your services? as against, for for example, using a service like listed by owner where I can just
0: put it up on the MLS myself and just do all Uh, of this myself? I mean, you can do that. I I believe it's literally one or 2% people, those do that, right? Like 98 to 99% homes are sold through a real estate channel. And uh, you got to let the professionals do their job. You know, these days you can learn everything from Google, YouTube, but you know what? Experience still counts. And at the end of the day, Like even a small mistake can cost you a lot because this you're dealing with a few hundred thousand dollars, right? So same, you know, same thing for you as a lawyer as well. You I'm sure you have noticed like many times a small mistake. If you don't know what you're doing. And if you make a small mistake, that could be very, very costly. And that could whatever small money you were trying to save at the end of the day, you might end up, you know, it might end up costing you a lot more than you even expected.
1: And speaking of small mistakes, something that I certainly see a lot on my side. Well, not a lot. But when, you know, there are small things that will pop up on closing that really traps a person, the conditions that yes. come up in those agreements, the conditions that you choose to waive. Yes. Um, you deciding to go in with a clean offer, yes. you know, because you want to win. Get the deal. You, you want to get the deal. I'll deal. Yes. Uh, tell you um, on the flip side, you know, my concerns with that, but certainly I'll get from you first. Uh, When you're putting a deal forward, give me the thinking
0: behind, you know, whether or not to attach a condition. Okay. Honestly, if you have a choice, I always say go with the conditions to have a peace of mind, because especially if you're a first-time buyer. But when the market is very competitive, when you are competing with like five, six, seven, ten offers, at that time, it's almost impossible for you to go ahead with the conditions, because sellers are looking for a clean offer. But let's just say if the property has been there for some time they don't have any other offer or maybe one or two you want to try to get the uh, inspector uh, the conditions because especially condition of financing as we, we were talking earlier i think that could really cause a lot of issues if the homework was not done on time uh, and again home buying should be a should be a happy experience when you miss one or two things it could be really really difficult at the end so uh, fine. So it all depends. If you are able to get it, you should always try to get the conditions. Very well. So,
1: are there minimum conditions that you would recommend that are always there?
0: Um, like you know, there are mainly three main conditions, right? Like uh, uh, Stanley like they're standard, but three main important. One is of course financing condition of financing inspection condition okay. where you want to inspect the house. And for condos, we have the status certificate condition okay. for status. As you, you know, you know. So actually, you tell me actually, uh, Demar. So for status certificate, what exactly are you looking well, when fact, you're reviewing the status certificate? I'll tell you about status certificate and then I'll pivot back to inspection because okay,
1: sure. inspection is one that, you know, I think is probably one of the most important one. Uh, so when we a lawyer acting on a purchase of an existing home, uh, generally we look at status certificate there for new condos we would still look at status certificate but because it's new probably there's a lower degree of worry for existing okay. condos that's okay. when um generally speaking you're looking to make sure that all the things that the seller promised in the agreement is there you want to flag the client for things like um is the condo the rules of the condo for example you want to have an idea of what the client is going to use a property for you know does a client have a pet does a condo? so it says
0: in the status certificate if they can have a pet or not private, okay. yes
1: yes okay. so um so you want to know what they're using it for if they're using it for an investment for example where they intend to do airbnb or anything like that are there restrictions in doing something like that okay if the client wants to use it uh, for just regular living are there a limit on the amount of persons that can live in okay. you do have condos that come okay. with yeah occupancy limits um the pet is a big ticket one you want to make sure that you have that um and anything else you know the general lifestyle of the client is that one that accords with the rules of the condo and can the client live within the rules of the condo because a lot of persons are not familiar with condo living if you especially if as a as an owner it's one thing to live there as a tenant and, you know, your landlord is the one that has to worry and fight with the board. Yes. But when you become an owner, the obligation is yours to yes. make sure that your unit conforms with the rules of the condo. Make sure that you can live within the guidelines of the condo. And so having that discussion with them, understanding what their where their mindset is, what they intend to use the property for, and then bringing them up to speed. OK, well, this is allowed. That's not allowed. Is this property right for you then? Um, can you live by these guidelines? Um, Another big ticket one, condo fees. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to make sure that you understand what the condo fees are. The condo is, I should tell you, I'm a condo guy at okay. heart. I live in a house. Okay. I'm a condo guy at heart. <laughs> but you right? like condos. Because, you know, yeah, the ease of living like in a condo, somebody else it's takes convenient. care of that. Yeah. It's, no No <laughs> snow, no grass, nothing. Everybody knows yeah. it. You know, having to plow snow is not nice. Yeah. I should tell you. Yes. But um, that's how the convenience comes at a cost. So making sure that you understand um, you know, the cost of that convenience is also one thing. And then just generally, you know, living in a closer neighborhood, you know, you, you're in a community where you're separated by walls. In some cases, very thin walls where okay. you can hear what's happening upstairs, downstairs or inside yes. beside you. Right. It's not like you have a separation of a small strip of land or two separate walls uh, between you and your neighbor when you live in a detached home. So. Um, that's just making sure that there, there's that condition in mind of being in such a small community space coexisting with mm-hmm. other people. Um, so those are things that you look for in. in and uh, what about the the money part? Like I think there's. Um, so, uh, I, so the I know where to. Yes, reserve fund. So we will tell you mm-hmm. what the reserve okay. funds are. We'll tell you based on what we could see in the status. And what weekend. is
0: what is exactly reserve funds? If so the
1: reserve what? fund the savings. The, the money that the condo puts aside, legally they have to put aside a certain amount of money. Um, each year it increases or based on their um, audit that is done periodically, which they must do by law to determine how much money to put aside based on the age of the condo and a number of things. Things are likely to break. And we don't want when these things break for you to levy a $100,000 on, on owners, right? So the law requires them to periodically put a little bit of money aside each year you take it from owners from it's just, the
0: condo fees coming you put some money on the side and so well, technically
1: funds. It comes from the owners okay. but it might just form part of your condo fees okay so the owners are putting aside a little bit each month to contribute towards the reserve fund based on the assessment based on the likelihood of things breaking and how much it would cost if those things break okay so that you are not levy, you don't get a huge levy in the end so we will look to see um, what the reserve fund looks like and what are the plans the condo has to make repairs. And most, in most cases, the lawyer doesn't per se get into the accounts of it, mm-hmm. but we can look and say um, if the reserve funds a hundred thousand dollars, this is a 20 year old building. We know the older the building gets, the more likely things are to break. And the condo is planning to implement these things that it's going to cost a million dollars or even $500,000, we would say based on what we're seeing, it's likely that a levy would come against the, the owners because a and 500,000 water plants, there must be some form of levy to cover the shortfall, $400,000 shortfall. Okay. So, so the key levy.
0: is the more, the more, the better? In-
1: Certainly. In- the okay. they, they, bigger the reserve fund, okay. the better. And they, Probably the younger
0: the condo also, the better, because you have less worry. Less about. problems. Less, less, less. Okay. So inspection, you were asking yes. me, like, what, what did you like?
1: So, so, so the most agreements that I've seen, and certainly um, it seems to be the standard for, 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 for the um, profession, is that you do get that opportunity to go in and do. So one, you, you can decide to go inspection free, which is no inspection at all clean agreement, but you reserve the right to do visits in the end. And I always, every time I've having a discussion with my clients, I say, make sure that when you go, you turn on everything, the stove, the dishwasher, the washer dryer, everything, make sure you turn it on. Um, maybe what concerns me a lot of times is shortly after persons move into a property, I know you're there living in it. You can see the cracks on the wall. You can see um, a wet spot in the basement or something, but you went into the property inspection-free. So you went into the purchase you know, inspection-free, yeah, no right? inspection. yeah. which said Which generally gives the thinking that you're willing to take it as is. I'm wondering, at least from where you sit, when realtors decide to do a clean offer with no inspection, right? Is there any sort of preliminary work? What would you do? Mm -hmm. Because your client is a very competitive market. Your client wants to go in, well, going with a clean offer to increase the chance of them getting, you know, their their bid being accepted. Um, So no inspection. What is it that you're looking for as Mm -hmm. a realtor to make sure that when they move in three months later, there's not a crack in the
0: basement? I mean, like one thing we have to accept, right? If the house is like 15, 20 years old, there's always going to be minor up, like things in the house. What we look for is when we are going without the condition of inspection, uh, roof is a big thing. A roof can cost a lot of money. So we want to see like, even before we put the offer, we can see how old is the roof because the life of the roof is around 15 to 20 years. So, if the roof was put in like three, four years ago, we are comfortable that look, it's good for another 10, 12 years. Furnace is another important thing. We can see how old the furnace's life is again 10, 15 years. Um, We make sure that we check every single thing as much as we can. Appliances is another thing, washer, dryer. Um, uh, plumbing so this again we're not home inspectors but we do as much as we can just to make sure all the day-to-day stuff is in good working order and as you mentioned that you know we may not have a home inspection condition but we always uh, put two visits before the closing Mm -hmm. for, for the buyers peace of mind so that's another thing before we go like you know when we leave it we can take him any time if they want to show to the family but one visit we leave it till the end just before the closing maybe a day or two days before the closing uh, by then the sellers should have moved out of the house the house should be in good condition that is when we you know we do our own final thing just to make sure everything is in good working order uh, because i i believe that once the deal has closed and you find out something that, that something, uh, a problem. I feel like at that time, it becomes a little bit challenging to sort things out. So it's important to very do difficult. your due diligence, do your homework and check as much as you can. Um, that That is why we have those two, two uh, visits there for you.
1: Very good. Uh, I mean, very good to have those visits. It's extremely difficult. to solve these issues after. And honestly, like, look, from the
0: seller's point of view, look, the home is sold. Like, it's it's not an easy transaction anyways, right? There's lots going on. So this is where the realtor comes into play. It's their job to make sure that before the closing, you have checked everything. It's mainly, uh, at the same time, sometimes what we do is just for the peace of mind for sellers, sorry, for the buyers, Even though we don't have a condition of inspection in the house, because we understand, as you said, very competitive market, we can still we advise homeowners to, you know, buyers to do uh, inspection post, you know, after the close, just for their peace of mind, just to check everything is in good order. Uh, Because honestly, there was a time uh, in the market where going with inspection was almost impossible. Like if you send the offer with the inspection, good luck, or conditions of uh, good luck, you're not going to get it. So we had no other choice. You know, we had no choice other than going in firm. Um, so it's important for a realtor to make sure they do their homework, correct? Yes, very, very important, Just especially to make it a smooth process. Especially
1: right? if you decide to go in. So I tell you from where I sit as a lawyer, closing lawyer. And, you know, yeah. these do pop up quite often, quite often yeah. uh, for those because Whenever you purchase a property and I can totally understand, you spend almost a million dollars if you're buying anywhere in the GTA. If you're in Toronto, you have to be above a million, right? To buy to buy a detached home condo, of course, you can come in under a million and probably less worries in condos, but for yes. detached homes, obviously more- that's where the whole inspection thing is so significant. And the thing that I see when you move into a house, you want it to be perfect. You've just shelled out thousands of dollars to get all your savings. Yes, you've been saving for a long time. Exactly. Totally wiped you out. Things pop up in the end that you have to pay for that. You didn't budget for and now you're at zero, if not in the negative because you've encashed even your line of credit. That's the reality of where we are. So you don't have money to fix things so when you get into the house and you see that there's a crack somewhere or the stove is not turning on or there's a leak from something it is really frustrating and then i get the get the calls here as a lawyer that I, the oven is not turning on
0: mm.
1: um, or the dishwasher is not connected or something right or i've i'm C- not working exactly right I have to say, I say to think. There are some things that we so there are difference between what we call patent defects and latent defects. Patent are the ones that you could see okay? Okay. very clearly see walking. That's the deficiency that needs to be addressed. Um, latent defects are the things that are hidden that we could not see going there. So if it's behind, for example, a more common one, a crack in the basement wall. You know there is the basement yes. foundation. Um sorry, sidewall and then there is coverage. Even on, on the on the
0: on the floor you see sometimes if the basement is unfinished, you exactly. May see. Exactly. If cracks. you could. But yeah. if it's
1: finished and it's behind the finishing, then obviously you can't see. Yes. It's not so obvious. So a crack in the wall that's behind the drywall in the basement you won't see. We say that's latent, it's hidden. Patent are the ones that are very obvious. You walk in even by a naked eye. I always say to clients, think of it this way, whenever I do get those calls. Um If you move into the house and the next day you're there um, just doing a regular thing and you see a defect, it's probably more likely that it's patent because it's obvious. You could see it. Any ordinary person could see it. And if you'd done an inspection, an inspector would have seen it. It is difficult to hold a seller liable for patent defects, right? Things that you could see. You on should a,
0: you should have noticed it before yes, the closing. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know these are things. So it's difficult. So you want to make sure that you, especially if you had no inspection, you really do scrutinize things. You move away um, the art that's on the wall. If there's a piece of furniture up against the wall, you know. I, I know a lot of times when I have these discussions with clients, I'm, I say, "Don't be afraid to pull the furniture away from the wall." Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to turn the stove on. You know, you're in their house. They're still there. They may not have fully moved out. And you feel a little bit cute, timid. You don't want to seem like you're really invading their space. But once they go out, it's not your space. So consider it yours, the couple of days you're there before. And give it a thorough inspection, the best you can yes. yourself. Very important. To make sure that once they're gone, you're not fighting to get these things on. Because once they get the money and they've then it's moved done. on. Then good luck. <laughs> good luck. Then it's hard. It is a challenge 100%. getting anything yeah. done.
0: And that's why, you know, as a, as a realtor, like, it's really important for us to make sure that before closing, we do as much as we can to make sure everything is in good working order. Because, look, for buyers, you know, they're putting everything in the house. They're very excited. A lot of emotions are involved. They don't want to come inside and find out something that could have easily been avoided. You know, so it's really important from our side. So Damar, last question for you. Uh, now, as, as a lawyer, uh, what advice would you give for, to people those are trying to become a lawyer or, you know, about a profession of law? Like, how, what's your advice to those people? What are your thoughts? Well, it certainly depends on the area of law that you want to get into. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I, I
1: always say that, um, and I think this, you know, sorry, touches on the question you asked earlier in determining to the, the lawyer you select. I believe and I've had that discussion before selecting a lawyer that's within the group of persons that are working together to, to get your transaction completed is very important. So I believe if the real estate agent, the mortgage worker, the lawyer are persons who ordinarily work together, then transaction will be so much smoother for you, uh, because you know we're connected, we're on cell phone, we're a call away. Hey, Demar, what do you think about this condition? The mortgage broker will call me, Jamar, what, what do you think about this? Will this be an issue on closing? Or are you calling me to say, um, I'm thinking of doing this. My client is thinking of doing that. Um, how will that affect closing? And I would say, OK, these are the safeguards you can put in place. You want to do a clean offer. Make sure that you do these things, though. Um, so at least we have something to piggyback on in the end. Mm-hmm. So that's how you select if you're going to work with a lawyer that also works with your real estate agent or your mortgage broker. So that's one. In determining the, if you want to be a lawyer, I think that um, the network that you are involved in is very important. Uh, it's networking as a lawyer is something important for us. I'm in real estate as the larger part of my practice. Um, having those relationship with real estate agents like yourself, having mortgage brokers that you talk to, having lenders that you're familiar with and do business with. Um, if you have that kind of network then and then it makes it easier for you getting into law and then branching out in that particular area. So you want to start networking in the era before. I think that gives you a launching pad when you get in. Okay. But if you don't, doesn't mean that you don't have to be a lawyer. It's one of those professions that allow you to scale very fast. Mm-hmm. It's it's worth getting into the league and it's expensive being yes, a lawyer. Absolutely. <laughs> I tell people this all the time that yeah. our fees don't reflect the amount it costs. You know, 100%. we have significant expenses to maintain your license each 100%. year. Um, but the cost to, to getting into the profession is high. Maintaining your license is high. But it allows you to scale very fast. Okay,
0: okay. So, and of course, I feel like you're, you're personal and your personality. Now, uh, so I know you have two locations. So, please tell the viewers about your where, where are your offices and uh, yes. the conversation. Kind of services. Well, um,
1: so my primary office is in
0: Toronto. Okay. Um, satellite,
1: I do have one in Mississauga. I'm currently negotiating another one okay, in the good. east. Expanding? In Oshawa, yes. Nice. Um, so, that's where I'm negotiating the third office right now. So, that's coming on. Uh, but everything is done online these okay. days. Okay. Lucky for us, COVID, COVID came changed in. everything. COVID changed, changed everything. everything. We had a few lenders who were iffy and butty about electronic signatures. Now, practically all lenders except one that I know. Who's that lender? Uh, it's a private lender, okay, private so lender. luckily it's a private lender. Okay. But all the banks.
0: Banks are okay. With all that.
1: the be You could be at home
0: and everything could be done, like yes, all certainly. the signs and everything. Certainly. Even, even the, the down payment money that can be given to your, like they don't need to come to your office, they can deposit the money into your account. I say this. Yeah.
1: I rarely do meet clients in person these you days. You rarely meet, okay. I, and certainly, and just to give you, where we are post-COVID now in closing yes. transactions, we are meeting online to go through the documents. You're signing the documents via DocuSign or Adobe Sign. You're depositing the monies to close the transaction in my bank account. So we're not meeting in person for that. And you're accessing your keys from a lockbox. box. Okay. Um, certainly, it's not that we are now hands off, but we try to make it more convenient for you. And back in the day, we'd of course met to go through the documents, hand you your keys, all the stuff. You have to worry about trekking to the lawyer's office. Now it doesn't really matter where the lawyer is, right? Because you're online Online, and you know where the property you're buying is. So I give you the code. You go, you grab your keys. My job after you've received your keys is to make sure that you get into the place, make sure that everything that should be there is there. I want to make sure have you collected your keys? Yes, have you moved in? I'm in the process of moving in. I haven't. All right. Do you think you could get that tomorrow at least? Walk through the property. I want to know early in whether there's something that's not working too well. Um, that's you know the after-sales service. Um, it's not just to give you the keys and say okay, good luck. You know I want to, if there's something that we need to address. You know that it's fresh. Let's address it right now instead of doing it a month or even two weeks later. Mm-hmm people have moved on two weeks later. Right? Absolutely. So the day after is
0: it's, quite important. Yeah, I, I always say don't put closing on Friday.
1: Friday oh, yes. Don't yes, close yes, put Thursday
0: different. or Wednesday. So in case if anything, you know, up and down, like if it's Friday, then you have to wait till Monday. I understand they, they, I understand <laughs> the need to close. I understand the need to close on Friday because yeah. I
1: mean, you get Saturday, the weekend to move, right? Yes, and especially yes. if you're working and stuff, yeah. but I, I, I totally get yeah. it. And that's yeah. why I always also, try to close transactions as early as possible in the day right so in the day no so you have some time because yeah. most law offices close at 4 4. 4. 30. especially friday they On want friday to yes. yeah
0: perfect yes. Dumar, thank you so much pleasure yeah. to have you oh thanks, thanks for you. having me i'll be here again if you want me